Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast with practical advice for mid-career professionals. I'm Kat. And I'm Liz. And today we are welcoming Dr. Whitney Caceres. She's a pediatrician, an author, and a mom. And we're going to talk about a topic that I find pretty all-consuming, being a working parent. Uh, Whitney's book, The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself, is a practical guide for working moms who live every day with the struggle between work and parenting. We are going to talk with Whitney about the experience of working motherhood, the systems and ideas that make it even harder, and also how people working with moms can be understanding and supportive. Welcome, Whitney. Please tell us how you got to where you are today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here and to support all of the working parents out there and specifically Mm -hmm. the working moms. This has been quite the year and a half, two years that moms have been dealing with, but really the pandemic that we've all been going through has been highlighting issues that have plagued moms for decades. And so, yeah, so I'm happy that we're bringing those to light. And Speaking of, I have my own journey of really struggling with being a working mom and trying to navigate kind of life in those two worlds. I am one of those people that was born like 100% all in on every single thing that I do. Uh, I don't know if it's like my baby boomer parents or what it is, but I was taught like, girl, you like, if you're going to put your heart into something, you just go for it. So I remember like I was 10 and we lived across the way from this horse stable and my parents were like, yeah, go for it. Start your own business. So I wanted to earn money to go buy stuff for my Barbie collection. And so I would be over there like mucking the stalls and putting signs up. Like I'd work every Sunday and Saturday and go for it. Just like that whole idea of lean in. Like I, Mm -hmm. I leaned in before that was ever a thing. And when I got to be a pediatrician, that that worked for me really well there too. I, it was mm-hmm. totally great. I love working. I'm always encouraging women, especially who love working, like you embrace that. That's such a big part of who you are. So mm-hmm. I love taking care of patients. I love being part of a team. I love being out of my house. And <laughs> I became the person who people would say like, could you say extra for this patient? Be like, yeah, totally. Can you answer this extra email? Absolutely. Can you join this committee? Uh-huh. Because in part, love my work. In part, I felt like there was a pressure that I needed to, if I wanted to rise within the ranks of my organization. Mm-hmm. And then three, the training that you have as a doctor, as a physician in America, is just like, it's a privilege that you were given this awesome responsibility. And so you better say yes to every single opportunity that presents itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, before I had kids that worked well because on the weekends I could rest, I could relax, I could go to brunch or go to happy hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I had my first daughter and, mm-hmm. you know, looking back at my life as a pediatrician, I thought I was pretty hot stuff. Like, and I thought I really knew a lot. These patients, these parents, you know, to be perfectly honest, they'd come in and be like, my kid won't sleep. I'd be like, well, get it together. Like do some sleep training, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my kid won't eat this. My kid did blah, 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 blah. And I felt like, oh, that's because maybe there's something you're just not trying <laughs> hard enough to do. Mm-hmm. And then I have my own kid and wow, I swallowed some humble pie because <laughs> he was uber colicky. She didn't sleep for more than 45 minutes at a time. She brought me to my knees. And 
as she got older, I thought, well, it'll get better. I'll get out of this postpartum depression and anxiety, and then I'll just be high flying again as a working person. And she started having all of this emotional dysregulation. She started really having a tough time. We thought she had autism at one point. And so we were seeing all of these specialists and I was feeling like I was at my wits end. She had this huge well of need. My family had this huge well of need. And I had another kid along the way. So like that added to it as well, right? And the toothpaste ordering and toilet paper and household (laughs) stuff, all that junk. And that work, the more senior I became, they didn't care that I was a parent. They're Mm -hmm. like, well, hop to it, keep on going. And so I found myself in this position of just swinging like a pendulum from my home life to my work life and back again, I would lean all in at work and then I'd feel incredibly guilty and like a horrible mom. So I lean all into my family and then I would feel like I wasn't pulling my weight, wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, wasn't optimizing my career. And in the middle of that, I fully lost myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember this night, my my daughter, she was having a horrible regression. She actually, she'd been potty trained for a long time, but she, I found out had been urinating all over our carpets. And um, because she was having a horrible anxiety moment attack. Mm-hmm. And um, I just found myself in the shower after a week of meeting upon meeting at work and my husband and I arguing and my daughter's needs and feeling like I do not know if this is like the promised land, like I thought that it was going to be as a working mom. In fact, I know it's not and deciding there has to be some better way. And so I started figuring out, okay, what is it that I actually want my working mom life to look like? Mm -hmm. What actually matters to me? What things do I need to let go so I can focus on the things that bring me joy or bring me connection or Mm -hmm. give me purpose? And then I started talking to other moms and I realized like, I might have a more extreme case with my daughter, but almost every other Mm -hmm. working mom that I knew and that I saw in my pediatrics practice felt that same level of kind of inner conflict Mm -hmm. day after day after day. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I have to figure out a way for myself and for everybody else to, to enjoy life more, to have more abundance in their working mom life. And so that's how all this work came to be. (laughs) So my question is, how did you find time to write the book with everything else on your plate? Yeah. So I wrote the book after I had gone on this journey of really paring things down, of really deciding what are the things in my life that deserve my attention, my time, and my energy and are in alignment with what I call my centered vision. Mm -hmm. So I really like to coach other women, other working women on thinking about when you are 80 years old and they're celebrating you at your birthday party, like what are the things that you want to have defined your life? I'm going to guess it's not the laundry. It's not the dishes. It's not you doing a bunch of paperwork. It's Mm -hmm. not you answering emails. It's not you being on the social committee at work. If that's not your thing, it's definitely not you being on the PTA. If that's not your thing, it's not you making home baked cookies instead of buying them at the grocery store. Right? So first, what I decided is I want to decide what I'm going to say yes to. Yeah. And I, I decided on five, what I call center points 
that were the most important to me in my life. So it was connection with my kids. It was mm-hmm. my own personal health and wellness, mental health wellness. Cause you can imagine with all this stuff going on, I was having quite a time inside my own brain. Sure. Um, it was contribution to other women in a purposeful way, meaningful way. It was financial freedom. And then for me, because this is like the thing that defines me, it was travel and adventure and having new, exciting Mm -hmm. experiences. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. So then I decided, okay, this is my centered circle and everything else that exists in life then is outside of that circle. And so I have to manage it and deal with it somehow, Mm -hmm. but but I have to make sure that I'm constantly reevaluating to make sure that those things don't jump inside the circle and start to define me. Mm -hmm. So that's how I've had the time because for example, like I do grocery ordering so that someone else picks up the groceries and I pay them a $2 tip. Um, I've learned how to delegate and automate to my partner on things that I don't do as well in my family. Mm-hmm. As my kids have gotten older, I've decided, okay, you guys are a part of this family as well. You need to take on some of these responsibilities. Sure. Mm-hmm. I've decluttered my physical environment, which I think is Huge. Exceptionally important. And I've decluttered my schedule so that when I'm making decisions, I've given myself the freedom to put a boundary to say, if that doesn't work for me, it's not that I'm like a bad person or I should feel guilty about that. I am saying no to this potentially lesser opportunity or thing that doesn't serve me or my family or my Mm -hmm. mission in life because I have to say yes to to the things that are only for me. Exactly. I imagine that getting to that point where you came up with your five categories, Mm -hmm. I suppose before you did that, you probably took a look at your values, right? And and looked at what was important to you. Can you maybe speak a little bit to that? Yeah. You know, the way I do it is actually through a visioning experience, centered vision, where I like to think about what is the vision of my life that feels like I am grounded that feels like I am purposeful, that feels like I am satisfied. Mm. And that really, that visioning is what kind of paints the picture for me. And mine is like this weird, I'm looking out always over like the Pacific Ocean. There's always this really weird, like curtains, white curtains from Target, the cheap kind, you know, uh, that cost $11.99. I'm always linked arms with other women. And then, yeah. And then my kids are always like going down to the beach and coming back toward me, Mm -hmm. going back down to the beach and coming back toward me. So I think having that vision, then that's when I start to kind of like refine it to define what does that vision exactly mean? And you're Mm -hmm. right. It does come down to values. Like Mm -hmm. my value is that for my kids that they feel securely attached to me, but that they also are resilient, independent individuals Mm -hmm. who have problem solving skills and are able to know themselves independent from me, that I don't have ego that's driving my relationship with them or Mm short-term thinking that I'm thinking about them in the larger scheme. That value of being linked arms with other women is about, I want to be someone that gives to other people. Me sitting calmly looking out over the ocean is that it's a value that I know myself and I'm at peace with myself. And honestly, I would say for every single listener, every single working person or human, I think that has to be the number one value is that you get to know yourself well enough. You're aware of yourself 
well enough Mm -hmm. so that when you're making decisions about competing interests, you're coming from a place really of understanding and of compassion for yourself. I think that when we say no to things that aren't compelling, it gives us room, like you said, to say yes to the things that are really important. And I think that's a process to get to that place, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the first few times we say no, it's maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but as we get more comfortable with it, then it it makes sense because then you have the time and the space for the things that are really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It is a process. And I mean, let me be really transparent. It's a process that for me, I still practice. I came from a home. My parents are, are loving, wonderful individuals, but I came from a home where like, you know, grandpa's over here, go give him a kiss right now. You know, um, this person gave you a gift. You need to say, thank you. Um, this person asked you to come do this. Yes. The answer is yes. All the time. Mm -hmm. And I think as women, especially that our value a lot in our world is driven from, are we pleasers? Are we able to like give to other people? Right. So that's Mm -hmm. a really hard pattern to break. It's a hard thing to unwind. Yeah. It's a hard thing to unwind. And I have needed the help of a personal therapist Mm -hmm. to help me do that. So it has not been on my own. I've needed the help of other experts, honestly, even doing the podcast and doing blogging and working with other women who are in this space and men, I've learned so much from other people about what are the huge benefits so that I felt like, gosh, if I stay in this position, I'm losing out on so much goodness. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I've done is really surrounded myself with people who are like-minded. And I don't mean that in a way of like, you need to get people who believe exactly the same way you do, (laughs) like have the exact same political views, anything like that. Mm -hmm. I just mean, if you have all haters in your life who are like questioning you constantly, Mm -hmm. that's that's not good. You have to have the vast majority of the people who are around you and that you allow into your inner circle to be positive coaches for you and cheerleaders for you. And that way, when other people who are going to come in and out have stuff to say that doesn't jive with you, you can be like, okay, thank you for your opinion. And Mm -hmm. next, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Choosing uplifting people in your life is so important Mm -hmm. because if you don't, you're going to be brought down, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, if people are complaining or questioning you all the time, it's, that's an energy drain. Mm-hmm. And I love how you talk about saying no and values. Cause I've found, you know, that like, oh, I need to help the teacher. Cause I don't volunteer in the class. And then it's like sucking my soul dry or like, I'm super stressed about it. Like those are the things that are so depleting. And when you learn to say no and only say yes to the things that are aligned or that bring you energy, it changes the dynamic completely because you have more to give Mm -hmm. instead of being, you know, I was up till 12 cutting things out and like someone else can do that. Yeah. No, 100%. I, in the book, I talk about uh, this experience I had in my daughter's classroom yeah. where I, I volunteered. And the reason I volunteered is because I don't want to be the only mom who doesn't volunteer. Right. And there I am squeezed into this mm-hmm. little tiny chair <laughs> and I'm cutting out, you know, things yep. for, the, for the banner. And my daughter didn't even like, we didn't connect. It's not like she remembered me being there in terms of helping out with the classroom. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I just decided after I went home and felt like, exhausted from that, you know, as a working mom, I offer my daughter, my daughters unique, unique experiences and unique gifts that other Mm -hmm. people 
don't offer. And that's not to naysay anyone mm-hmm. who's not working in a job that gets paid because of course mm-hmm. all women Absolutely. are working. Yep. But people are working. But I know that when I, as a CEO of my own company, talk to my kids about how I manage other people mm-hmm. with grace and with love, like that teaches them something. When <laughs> my kids hear me on the phone with an angry parent of a patient, you know, about something that went wrong in the clinic, and they hear me process that and then, you know, try to deal with customer service, they, they learn something from that. Um, mm-hmm. They see the value of hard work. And hopefully they also are seeing compared to previous generations who had to attack work with this idea of single-minded grit. Mm-hmm. I hope also that they are seeing that it doesn't have to be about we run ourselves into the ground. Amen to be successful, that in fact, the most successful people take time for rest, Mm -hmm. that being unproductive is extremely productive (laughs) and that I am at my absolute best when I am energized, when I am purposeful, when I'm intentional, and that when I'm not acting out of a scarcity model for time Mm -hmm. or for resources Mm -hmm. in my own Mm -hmm. mind. Agreed. So let's talk big picture a little bit, you know, society schools, doctors, offices, none of them really support working and being a parent. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the pandemic only magnified this since most parents lost their after school, you know, routines, right. Their after school care and coverage. Every working family has to figure out what to do with their kids after 3 PM. Every working family has to take time in the middle of the day and the work day, you know, for orthodontists, doctor's visits, et cetera, and most of those doctors don't have appointments after four, right? So there's, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a huge challenge in there that not everyone is aware of. You know, not to mention schools, especially preschools and elementary schools. We loved your story about your daughter's creative uh, dance performance. <laughs> schools are constantly wanting parents to come in and watch a performance or participate. And if you could wave your magic wand to change two things about the way society supports working parents, what would they be? My goodness. I mean, there's so many things mm-hmm. that I would change. I think, I think mm-hmm. the first really is recognizing and treating employees as whole humans, yes. right? Mm-hmm. That's probably the most important. And I love Mary Beth Ferrante, who is from Work360. She's a Forbes contributor. She talks about this idea of work culture, of parenting out loud as an employee, but then also that employers, people, especially in mid-level management, that they parent out loud. So anyone who's in any type of position of power or senior leadership or executive Mm -hmm. leadership, because the more that we as organizations show kind of the full spectrum of who we are as humans Mm -hmm. at our job and show up that way, the Mm -hmm. more it gives permission for everyone else to. And I do not mean like you show up in your pajamas with your hair looking wonky. I just mean that you say like, yeah, my kid has a really important creative dance recital today Mm -hmm. that I want to be at, that she has looked in my eyes and said, like I say in the book, like, mom, this matters to me. Please come be here. That is something as parents, we have to be attuned and awake enough to our kids Mm -hmm. and their emotions and their little spirits to say like, yes, you matter. You are valuable. I'll be there. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I'm constantly talking about my home life and my kids and the things that are going on for, for them. And that's true for women and for men, for people of all genders mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. orientations, because the more that dads also parent out loud, 
that normalizes that mom should, that normalizes that dad should, that normalizes that everybody should. Mm -hmm. So I think that's number one is kind of giving permission for people to show up. I think the second is recognizing requests for flexibility or for Mm -hmm. accommodations, not as laziness or as ways to get out of something, but as ways for parents to actually navigate what is the Tetris of being a parent, Tetris game of being a parent in today's working world. So for example, last year with the pandemic, we had childcare crisis after childcare crisis. At one point I've told the story, we moved my oldest to a private school. We, she normally is in public school. We moved her to a private school because she really needed that in-person learning. Like I said, sensory issues, lots of things. Mm-hmm. And so to do that, we had a private school. I was paying for the private school. They shut down. So then I was paying for a childcare provider. I was paying $6,500 oh, wow. a month for childcare for two months. And of course that's unsustainable. I'm a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. We're the lowest on the totem pole in, in medicine. So, so I told my work, I said, I need to be able to start my day later to, uh, this will avoid me $3,000. We figured out mm-hmm. if I could start my work an hour and a half later, mm-hmm. three or four days a week, just because of all of the navigating and people mm-hmm. and people had to have come really early. And at first they're resistant to that. Like, well, I mean, nobody else starts then and whatever. So this is what I did. And this is what I always am advising other working parents do too. And I learned this because as a resident in medicine, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. I came up with a solution for them. Like I problem Mm -hmm. solved it Mm -hmm. for them. I said, and I knew because I was on the executive leadership team in my work, like this is how their minds work. So Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I am going, I mapped it out for you. I am going to start at 9.30 on these days. This will be my shortened lunch so that way I can do it. This will be the time that I stay later on this day so that I can do it. I'm also willing to take this alternative path whereby I take you know $100 less a day or something to be able to do it. But this is the way that I think we'll be able to meet our patient needs and also mm-hmm. my needs. And so really coming to the table, I think, with what is a potential solution even if your employer doesn't take that solution, Mm -hmm. I think shows, you know, you're a team player, you want to navigate along with them. And that also the intention behind your request is really to make it so that when you are at work, you are focused on the job that you have to do. Mm -hmm. If I'm coming into work stressed because I just spent $500 on childcare extra, and now I'm not sure like how I'm going to pay for you know, I don't know, our, our mortgage, right. I am not going to do as good a job with my patients that yep. day. Yep. You're not going to do as good a job in whatever field of work that you do. If you are stressed and don't have the mental bandwidth and you're thinking the whole day about how you're going to problem solve and work and mm-hmm. Tetris it out with your kids and childcare. So I think those are probably the two things, the parenting mm-hmm. out loud permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the ability to see clearly how working with accommodations and with flexibility for a parent mm-hmm. is not about giving in or allowing workers to be lazy. Mm-hmm. It's actually about allowing workers, employees to be the best version of themselves when they show up to do the work. A hundred percent. And I like, I mean, I call it Jenga versus Tetris, but I'm with you. Um, and you know, like today, I had one kid that needed to be picked up at 1130, 1230. Now I work from home. My husband works from home. We figured it out. But like, 
Yeah, that's the middle of the workday. And so transparency of like, got to go pick up a kid. Like if you have a problem with that, you shouldn't work with me because I can't control that. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that just normalizing that experience of like 1130, not a great pickup time. Can't yeah, leave exactly. the kid at school. It's a bad look. <laughs> like, but I love what you said about kind of managing up is really what you're doing. Yep. Like, not only are you identifying the problem, which is a problem, you're identifying the solution. So you're not putting it on someone else to figure out. You're like, oh, I've already figured this out. And here are the two alternatives. But this is how I'm going to show up as my best self. Because I think people forget when they bring up problems that the, if there isn't a solution, someone else has to solve it. And so you manage the situation well by saying, here's the issue. We're all in this weird, unprecedented time, blah, blah, blah. Here's a solution that can work and make it so that I'm not bleeding cash to be here, that I'm not losing money by being here. Right. So important. So important to be able to come with a solution to a problem that you're presenting up. So, you know, that's great that you talked about that because we've encouraged that more than once, but I think it's one of those things that we all need to be reminded of that, especially during times like this, when the problems just, you know, those kind of challenges just seem to keep on coming and we have to remind ourselves, okay, let's, let's be solutions oriented. And when I, when I go to the table with a problem, let me show up with a solution or two. And like you said, Whitney, you know, they may not accept your solution, but at least you came with a solution. And I think Mm -hmm. you get credit for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I presented the solution actually included in it, my first version was, and then I can also leave at 4.30 on this day because that will save me even more money on the other end. Mm. They said, you know, given our culture and what's happened in the past with everybody kind of getting resentful, I just feel like end of the day is going to be a lot harder pill for everybody to swallow. Let's do as much as possible beginning of the day. And I could accept that as a middle ground, you know? Yeah. I think the other thing it does is removes this victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are things our society needs to change. Yes, there's inequality. Yes, there's not equity in terms of our pay. And mm-hmm. all of those things, I'm such an advocate for changing mm-hmm. for working women. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know I'm not living 20 years from now where I hope that my kids will be. I'm living right this second in Mm -hmm. 2021 with a big problem with my kids that I need to fix right now. And so I cannot expect my employer, who's not that woke to Mm -hmm. come Mm -hmm. and like solve my problem for me. Mm -hmm. They're just not going to. And also Mm -hmm. when I'm the one that creates a solution, I actually have way more control over it because then instead of them saying, fine, I'll give you this little like tidbit over here. I actually got more out of it than I would have if if I had had them create the solution for me. Mm -hmm. Because you know what solutions are going to work for you. So why would you give that to somebody else? That's not going to problem solve. But I think that what has happened over the last year and a half too is that we used to hide our parenthood. We'd bring on our work selves and our work self and I'm 100% here. And we'd kind of hide you know, how are the kids fine, but you'd hide your parenting self and now people just aren't. And so your workplaces are going, are having to kind of deal with parenting in the workplace because it's all merged. Yeah. Um, so Whitney, I want to go back and you talked a lot of, you said lean in a few times and, mm-hmm. and the whole concept of lean in, in terms of the book is something that I think about 
a lot. Also, in the book, you didn't really talk about your feelings about leaning in. Like, tell us what you think of that book and the message has done for working moms. Cause, you know, that whole concept of like lean in and just do it, you know, like, take it on yeah. and go for it. What are your thoughts on that whole encouraging, you know, don't hold yourself back just because you're a woman or a parent? Yeah. So uh, the way I think about it is like I think about any major movement. Most movements start with a really huge arc of a pendulum swing, right? (laughs) You have to. You have to be extreme. If you want to catch people's attention, if you want to change the culture, if you want to tell women you actually belong in the workplace, you have a position here, you kind of had to. I feel like at that point, there was a purpose for it to say, Mm -hmm. yep, go for it all the way, do it. I think like most movements, then things come back to the center a little bit where maybe we go, well, that was maybe a little bit too much, you know, or hmm, maybe we forgot about this one important thing or that works really well for people who have a full-time nanny and who have tons of money and whose, you know, partner can also step up 100% of the time, Uh right? And who have reliable parents and childcare and all of this, right? That is not my experience all the time. And it's usually not the experience of most mid-level professionals that I know. So I don't think there's anything wrong with encouraging and empowering women to take a seat at the table. I guess what I would say is two things. One, it's important to lean in when it's the right time for you. Mm -hmm. And then it's important to lean out when it's not. So there have been moments in my career, like with the book launch, for example, that there's like day after day after day that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep on going. I'm just going to do these podcast episodes. I got four in a row. We're going to do it. Mama. Do it. You know, and my kids are over here whining, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm to my husband and my kids, like, just hold on. I don't know. Have a sucker. Here's a popsicle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Mama's got to work right now, you know, yeah. because it's like a moment where I'm passionate. I realize that it's time sensitive. I really need mm-hmm. to do it. But mm-hmm. I also know that there are times with my kids that I've needed to say like halt, freeze. It's too much. I've gone Mm -hmm. too far. I'm seeing the effects of it for my own physical self and for my children. I now have a migraine every single day, Uh you know, because I've been pushing too hard. Mm -hmm. So I need to back it up. Mm -hmm. I need to come back toward the center. So I guess what I would say is you want to live more toward the center of yourself Mm -hmm. and of your life. 99% of the time. And then you lean out towards your kids. You lean out towards your profession. You lean out towards having some extravagant me self-care moment, you know, as opposed to that being your normal, that you're yo-yoing all the time, because we know that our bodies don't do well with that. Our (laughs) mental health doesn't do well with that. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Mm -hmm. So I think that's number one. The other thing that uh, lean in the original messaging irked me was this this idea of we need to be masculine. We need Mm -hmm. to be like stone face. We need to not be women. We need to, in fact, mold ourselves to be just like men in the workplace. And so much, so much wrong there. (laughs) Right. And that's so much wrong because I know that the feminine parts of me Mm -hmm. bring so much to my work with other parents and with children Mm -hmm. professionally. Mm -hmm. I know that the deep, tender parts of me 
are the things that actually make me passionate about the work that I do with other moms at Modern Mommy Doc. Mm -hmm. And I also know that when I have a hard day and that I'm crying to one of my partners, which I was doing a couple of weeks ago. He was like, you're in the thick of it, girl. Like my daughter was acting out. Yeah. We had some like mate, like our dishwasher broke. Like uh, I had a hard patient, like mm-hmm. all the things. Right. And like, I emotionally was visibly upset. Mm-hmm. That authenticity, that vulnerability mm-hmm. makes my partner a better employee mm-hmm. alongside me. Yep. Yeah. That authenticity, when I walk into a room and like go like this, I don't do it every single time, but you know, every once in a while that I say, I'm just having a rough day, bear with me. Mm-hmm. Just like everybody else, I'm a human, that that makes me stronger at what I do. It makes yep. me better at what I do. So, and I don't actually, when I read the entirety of Lean In, I don't get the impression that that was the intention of the book. And I'm very sensitive because I know that sensitive to this, because I've written my own mm-hmm. book that sometimes people can like read the yeah, key in on one thing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And go like, Oh, well, like for example, for my book, like, Oh, well that's only for like rich people who have time for a bunch of self-care. No, you know, this is for everybody. If you read between the lines and actually read the whole thing, you'll see this applies to every single human being on the planet. For sure. And, at the same time, I think Lena and also what she was trying to do was really encourage. What I have seen from Sheryl Sandberg on her LinkedIn recently is a lot more about this idea of lean in when it's right, lean out when it's not right, right. for you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think we have to give people grace mm-hmm. that as our culture evolves, they evolve too. Yes. And that her work was so well-meaning and did move the needle forward. We just got to, I think, like rein it in a tiny bit yeah. so we don't yeah. like end up, you know, with mental health breakdowns. <laughs> it might be time for the sequel, Lean In and Lean Out. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Mine's the <a> sequel. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But I, but that's the thing. Like when it first came out, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like that doesn't work for everybody and not everyone has a staff behind yeah. them to support said mm-hmm. leaning. But I also, what I've learned over the years, and I think the sequel to Lean In or, you know, version two would be interesting as she's evolved. Uh But what I've learned over the years myself as a relatively high functioning person is not everyone functions at the same level. So what's overwhelming for me may not be overwhelming for you, Whitney, but maybe 100% overwhelming for Jane over here. And so- we all have to find our own boundaries Mm -hmm. and figure out what it looks like for us. And I actually respect the people and women, especially who know that they can't take on too much without getting overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so don't. Yep. And Uh, I think creating your own boundaries is actually the most empowering thing you can do. And so, and then leaning into those boundaries, but you know, the book as originally written, I, I bristled like you did. So I'm not, <laughs> not, not going to lie. Yeah. Well, I think there's also this, right? Like lean in means different things to different, to different people. people. Mm-hmm. So it does. like, I really am cautioning against this idea for women, especially of like, lean into productivity, mm-hmm. lean into doing more and more and more and staying busy. How can you be the most efficient at all things, mm-hmm. all the time, every single day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That comes from this place of finding internal value and validation mm-hmm. from performance. Mm-hmm. And so to lean in in that way, is really going to strip us of pretty much 
all joy <laughs> because <laughs> unless I win at my, you know, competition in my sales division, mm-hmm. you know, unless my book goes to number one, New York times bestseller, Let's then hope. I guess I better keep on working, 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 do, 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 do as opposed to being able to be quiet and being mm-hmm. still inside myself and to lean in, but to lean into like myself, yeah. to lean into like, okay, who am I? I'm going to lean into understanding how I feel, to listening, to listening mm-hmm. to my kids, to being aware, to being aware of my patients. That's mm-hmm. a completely different leaning in yeah. that I think people could do all day, every day and yes. would serve them well. Well, it would definitely raise their empathy, right? Mm -hmm. When you know your response, you're a little bit more able to understand other people. It's just, it works that way. So as you guys have been talking about this leaning in, I keep on thinking about a conversation I had 10 years ago with a yoga teacher who said to me, I know you can go farther, but I want to encourage you to go 70%. Mm -hmm. And don't push yourself that extra 30% because that might cause injury, that might cause pain. Mm. And it's about keeping reserves. I was having an adrenal issue at the time. So I was kind of tapped out. And that was some of the best advice I've ever received because when I go, when I lean completely in, which is my tendency, right? To give it all and, and maybe not leave enough left over for myself. That has changed so much of how I not only do yoga, but kind of do life these days. Right. Mm -hmm. I I try Mm -hmm. to leave a little bit of reserve. I think that adrenal stuff is very common for men and women, but especially women, because there's so much on our plate all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, when I interviewed Denise Hamilton on my podcast, she talked about this idea of selective mediocrity mm-hmm. and I love it. It was like, you want to give some things a hundred percent because they need it. And I yes. liken this to like an emergency situation in my clinic. If someone comes in and they're having a severe asthma attack and I need to intubate them in my clinic, yeah. put a, put a tracheal mm-hmm. tube down that. I got to be 100% yeah. on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can't do that half-assed. Can't mm-hmm. do that, you know? Mm-hmm. But a sports form, yes. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just check the boxes and do it real quick and mm-hmm. do a scribbly signature, you know? And yeah. I think about that in my home life. I think mm-hmm. about that in my emails that I write. I think about that in terms of housework. I think about mm-hmm. that in terms of all kinds of different places that yeah. when you place equal energy on every single task that you're trying to accomplish, you are going to burn out. You're, and you're right. Your body doesn't know the difference of like, we're in rest mode or yep. we're in top speed mode. Right. Sure. No. And, and I think that that it's so true. It's like, I used to be like, so you're going to Jimmy's birthday party. What do you think Jimmy would want? I buy gifts in bulk now. Yeah. I buy five at a time. I find the winner of the year. I like rotate gifts per year. And like, I buy a bunch of them and then, oh, look, Jimmy's birthday, Sue's birthday, <laughs> James birthday, everybody, a book for everybody. Yeah. But like, think about it, all that saved energy. Yeah. And like, is my kid going to be the giver of the perfect gift? Probably not. Don't tell them. But who cares? I don't care. We're good. Check box. Mm -hmm. Um, So going back to like the workplace, Mm -hmm. what do you wish? Like if you could give a checklist or like, you know, things to do when you're working with working parents, especially working moms, what do you wish everyone who has a parent on their team would know? 
Yeah. So I think number one is this awareness of the steep level of conflict that we have, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This awareness of our desire and the pressure that we have on us to do it all and to be it all that we really are the default or the she fault parent (laughs) in our homes. We carry the mental load. Um, that when I am at work, I am the one that is thinking about getting my kids in that aftercare for the fall. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm on it at 1201 there to push (laughs) that button, you know, that those are the things that are running through our mind that we have a constant checklist that Mm -hmm. is running through our mind. Amen. I also really would hope that employers would start to look at women in an entire life course. So there are moments where women who are pregnant or having a baby might not be as productive, might not be on the scene, might not be in teams. But if you allow people to have those moments, those seasons in their life, Mm -hmm. to have the time that they need to rest and to take care of themselves, you are going to end up with an employee who is far and away more invested and yep. more productive and performs better over time. Just look at Allison Felix, who is the Nike athlete, the spot, you know, mm-hmm. sponsored by Nike. And, and she has been fighting now to say, no, I still needed to have recognition and financial compensation during that time. Because look how, look how successful that I am over the yeah. entire course mm-hmm. of my life. And so yes. I think that's the other big thing for employers is to think about not just that tiny moment in time, right. but really how is an employee over the entire time. The other is, I think, for paid parental leave for parents, that Mm -hmm. this is critical for parents to set a strong foundation for their kids, not only for themselves and that connection with their kids, but also if you are in a heterosexual couple, for the other parent to also be taking on more of those roles so that then that employee later on, if she's a female worker, is not going to be gone as often because they're going to have their partner who's doing it too, right? So that sets the stage actually for less absenteeism Mm -hmm. later on, for Mm -hmm. less times of crisis where that person has to just jump out and like cancel appointments and cancel things. So it all comes down really to whole person thinking and to mm-hmm. long range thinking, which mm-hmm. ironically is how in pediatrics, we think about things all the time, like yeah. not what's happening in this exact moment. How do I help to create 35 year olds who are good contributors? Mm-hmm. And that's what I always want to think about. Like not what's happening with this baby employee that you have that's here, mm-hmm. but what's happening with the person as they retire, what have they contributed to you over the course of their career? Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny because when you're really good to someone, when they're like in this time of flex, that's where you build loyalty for the long term. If you're crappy to them, then they remember, they remember, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's funny that you like what you were saying. I think one thing that I wish that people who didn't have kids or weren't there yet, like people don't realize how many emails we get. Mm -hmm. Like I've got now got a high schooler and a middle schooler, like between band and flag football and this teacher and that teacher and the school and now the Rona. And like, I'm getting actionable emails every multiple actionable emails with calendaring snafus and changes on a daily. Mm -hmm. If you don't think that that affects me 
as an employee, you're crazy because I'm constantly having to go back and forth. And so just knowing, as you said, that there's this constant thing and negotiation. I mean, my husband and I are constantly to go, all right, you got this, you got that. Like it's a constant thing. And, and I wish that that was more open. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, it's a business strategy yes. to pay attention to this. So it's actually better for business because when you have to hire a new employee, mm-hmm. because that person leaves you, or yeah. if you can't hire the best talent, you know, we have this whole war on talent that yep. we're talking about coming out hopefully out of the pandemic, but mm-hmm. as things change mm-hmm. with the pandemic and as people continue to need flexibility, the companies that are being stalwart about Nope, you cannot work from home. You had to, that leaves a mark on people. People say, forget you. I'm going to go to the company that provides me what I actually need to be successful. And the other thing that I didn't mention is I think the onus is not completely on companies to train up their parent employees to be able to navigate working parent life and home Mm -hmm. life and all of that. But I Mm -hmm. do think the more that they invest in that resource and support them with resources and with education, the better it's going to be for that company in terms of their overall profits and viability. Mm -hmm. Because again, then you have a stable workforce that is Mm -hmm. loyal, stays with you. Retention. Retention. Our favorite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So speaking of companies, <laughs> how can managers or HR people build in policies that help and support working parents? What are some of the best examples you've seen, Whitney? So I love the fact that now we're starting to see these diversity, equity, inclusion officers, Mm -hmm. you know, this, like there's a new name for what we're seeing, you know, maybe they used to be HR people Mm -hmm. and also this, but it's like specifically designed to be thinking about, are we creating an even playing field for Mm -hmm. workers? And I think that really is the mentality to have. How can we make it so that when women come to the workforce, when parents come to the workforce, they have these same opportunities that other people who are non-parents also have. And so I think that's the mindset to be Mm -hmm. thinking about over time. Mm -hmm. The second is, I think, to start small in your organization, if you're not a large organization. So of course there are great big organizations that have been very splashy about saying like, we're doing full paid parental leave for every single person, or, you know, we're going to do like seminars and retreats, or here's a sabbatical and whatnot. Right. But there are also smaller organizations. And I understand this because I work at one, you know, where there's 12 partners where there's no way that we could say, okay, you could just be off and we'll pay you for this whole time. Right. Yeah. So instead what we've done is started small so that it slowly, slowly changes the culture to say, okay, we have two weeks of paid parental leave. Okay. Here is a book library that's on working parents and their needs. Here's a book library on racial inequities and what people face, right? Education. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I think having representation within the highest levels of leadership leadership. Mm -hmm. There have been moments, especially this year, speaking of like how you divide your time where I have wanted to say, you know what? I think I'm just going to like take a hike on this executive leadership team within my organization because I have other fish to fry, you know, gosh, it's draining me. 
And I have stayed committed to being on it because I am the only female other than one psychologist who is on the committee. And I know that if I am not represented there, my needs won't be represented. Yeah, your voice is needed. Exactly. And that the people who come after me, that they won't have that same opportunity potentially because it will be closed off to them or it will be harder to get there. That as we're recruiting other people to be part of this leadership team, I'm not going to only look for women, but that of course I'm going to be sensitive to the fact that I want to make sure that there's representation on these teams. So I think making sure that people can see themselves reflected on the teams, (laughs) thinking about education in all these places, and then not being afraid to start small within an organization. If you are not like, you know, a Virgin Airlines or, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Facebook, or, you know, some of these larger organizations that have the wherewithal, have larger budgets to be able to really create larger policy switch changes. Sure. Totally. So like we're coming, well, we'd like to think that we're coming out of this pandemic, but, you know, throughout the last year and a half, like 3 million women have just dropped the mic on the workforce and been like, peace, I can't, uh, because it's just too much. And, you know, I have to, I've said, Kat's heard me say it before, like if my kids were younger, I would have been like, I have to shut it down. Like I, I, you know, if they had been three and five instead of 12 and 14, like I would have been done. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so now they're, what's happening is people who have stayed in are like slogging through. They're like, I am not going back working at home, the flexibility, the lack of optics. It's, it's what I need. Um, what do you see on the other side of this? Like in terms of the work from home, in terms of trying to keep women on the executive committee, like what do you see as trying to keep people from dropping the mic? Because I get it. And, but yet it's such a loss for how far we've come. Totally. Um, I mean, I think there's two ways to look at it. So let me do mm-hmm. glass half full piece mm-hmm. first. <laughs> One, I mean, the pandemic at the very least, small silver lining afforded us the transparency, the kids running in in their underwear, Mm -hmm. you hearing Mm -hmm. my kids scream on the other side of the door and me being like, whatevs, me and my sweatshirt right now recording this Mm -hmm. podcast, right? Like you see me, you see my door swinging open. It's like no big deal. And so that I think is going to be a good thing for families as we move forward Mm -hmm. for employers to basically have like been in the homes of employees and to see that. And that with, again, this kind of war on talent, that it will be a moment where if you are going to ask for flexibility, if you were going to try to demand that or negotiate for that within your workplace, that it's a moment where people are more open to it because there's more competition for that. So I think in terms of that, I'm, I'm really hopeful that this will change that piece of it at least somewhat and move things forward. At the same time, I think, for example, with Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play, that talks about really dividing up labor and seeing labor, unseen labor as valuable time, as a commodity, Mm -hmm. that we are also seeing a shift in real practical ways and policy that we can change on the home front and then also in work. So that's the positive. Mm -hmm. The negative, yeah, is that we have all these women who have left in droves and for good reason, I can understand why, right? My charge to women would be, if you can keep at least one foot in the door, do it, right? Keep one foot in the door so that you have a place to come back to, you know, Mm -hmm. reducing your hours is always better than quitting completely. 
right? Mm -hmm. Doing a more flexible at home position or a different position within your organization will always make it easier for you to jump back up that ladder if you need to later. So that would be my charge for, for women. And then I, I think that we will see women come back, but I think that they're going to need the mentorship of experts in the field and people that are ahead of them, like this 40 by 40 project that we're seeing from Megan Markle, right. That's about like Mm -hmm. other people who again are understanding, okay, we, we can't expect women just to come back into the workplace in the same way that they did before. Yeah. If we want them to, we're going to have to support them in terms of their childcare needs. We're going to have yeah. to provide that flexibility that they need. We're going to have to, if they need to leave at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day, like I did the other day to go bring my daughter, her medication, you know, anxiety yeah. medication, you know, we're going to have to allow them to be transparent and to encourage that so that they can mm-hmm. come back into the, into the workforce. And so I think, I think those are the things that we're seeing. I think it is going to take a lot of time though, to rebuild what we've lost. But my mm-hmm. hope is that as we're rebuilding it, it will actually be even better. It will be more authentic. It'll be more vulnerable. It'll be more human mm-hmm. and that women will have better choices as to corporations, businesses they can work Mm -hmm. for, and that they'll Mm -hmm. have higher expectations for themselves. And Mm -hmm. I hate the word balance, but navigating Mm -hmm. their home and their work lives. Well, and I believe that your book is helpful in that because Mm -hmm. they will read it and see that they don't have to make the homemade cookies Mm -hmm. when they don't feel like it and don't have time for it and all of the other things. And so by reading your book and get seeing to Choose what you want to do. And there are other, there are ways to make it work. Um, will be super helpful. So thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. Tell our, our listeners where people can find you. Yep. So you can follow me at modern mommy doc. I hang out on the gram and we try to put like funny videos on there too. So (laughs) we lay it all out there. In addition to providing useful information, (laughs) we also have a new club that we're starting a membership club called modern mama's club, because we really wanted people to have access to all of our on-demand programming. We have videos about parenting and partnership, about navigating home and work life, about Mm -hmm. taking care of a new baby, navigating work in that regard Mm -hmm. and taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you can find the book, The Working Mom Blueprint, Winning at Parenting Without Losing Yourself, wherever books are sold. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. We really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed being here. Thank you. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beeks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a Tech Reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you. <laughs>